Well, we're continuing our series called Undone, and I know it's a little bit of an unusual title for some of you that have been tracking with it, though. You know that we started by focusing on a passage of Scripture where the prophet Isaiah, as a young man, he encounters God, but he encounters God in a way that he had never had before. Suddenly, the, the presence of God was more uh, real to him, more powerful to him, and more importantly, he saw the character of God in a way that he never had before. Now, I'm going to assume that some of us here, if not a lot of us, have had times in our life where suddenly, for some reason, God in his personhood becomes more real to us than he maybe had been at other times in our life. And maybe we, we get a glimpse of his character that we've never seen before, never thought of before, and that tends to stick and impact us. With Isaiah, it caused him to not just see God in a new light, but he saw himself in a new light. And that often happens with us as well. And that's what caused Isaiah to cry out, I, I am undone. When he saw the sacrificial goodness of God, when, when he saw how unselfish and kind and compassionate and merciful and holy and righteous God was, and then he, he saw himself, he knew how inconsistent as a human being he was, how unlike God he was, and he cries out, I'm undone. He was literally saying, I'm a wreck, I'm broken, I'm ruined. I don't even know if I'm reparable. Now, of course, he is, we are. But these undone experiences are wonderful and terrible simultaneously. We, we see God in a new way, and we realize that his goodness is so much beyond what we had ever considered. But at the same time, we see ourselves, and often we see things about ourselves that we would rather not see, rather not know. It's very uncomfortable. So these two things happen at the same time. Now, God wants to work in these to bring us to himself closer, but also to, to allow him to unleash his healing, restoring power in our lives. With Isaiah, that's what happened. You know, Isaiah wants to, to be cleansed. He wants to become the man that God made him to be. He wants to do the things that God intended him to do, and he does. He spends the next 40 to 50 years of his life in the center of his divine God-given mission, and every day, I want some of you to listen to this part, and every day and every season of his life, the good, the bad, the boring, the mundane, every day, every season, every experience had meaning. You and I as human beings, we desperately need meaning. We need to know that everything that occurs in our life, every season we go through, that, that it matters, that it has meaning. It's going to have lasting meaning, and that's what Isaiah went through but to get there to get there he, he had to go through this very uncomfortable time of feeling undone and seeing how far he was from being the kind of human being that he could be that he wanted to be that God intended him to be and was willing still to help him to be and that's the good news we're undone but yet God says to us when we want to be who he created us to be he says but I'm not done with you my son I'm not done with you my daughter I'm with you I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you you can still become who you were always meant to become but you can't become who you were meant to become apart from a, a real relational intimate union with myself scripture says that all things were created by Christ and it says we were created by Christ and for Christ and apart from him nothing coheres you and I were meant we, we, are, we are hopelessly spiritual beings meant to live in a relational union with Christ our creator every day of our life every season of our life and that's not just for religiously you know inclined people that's all of us because we have this thing in us that God put his image a, a spirit a soul that makes us you know available to God and God available to us all right 
We're going to look today at uh, something that triggers often these, these awakenings, if you want to call it that, these undone experiences where, where suddenly we start to see things about God, but we see things about ourselves simultaneously that we, we're not that comfortable with. One of the things that can trigger these events, one of the things that can cause these experiences ultimately is, is something we're going to label today trauma. Now, here's a couple interesting things about the word trauma first of all it's a transliterated word it's it's really a greek word it's translated most of our bibles by the word wound wound. trauma is the greek word for wound experiencing trauma leaves a lasting impact it changes how you view relationships people and the world now let that sink in for a minute it didn't say maybe it didn't say sometimes it says it's true when you and I experience trauma we are changed it leaves lasting impact and it will change sometimes our view of relationships of people and even the world itself let me go further trauma can affect beliefs about the future via loss of hope some people because they're so traumatized by various things they they just don't even think about hope uh, limited expectations of life it's never going to work out for me I'm never going to you know have what I wanted to have or dreamt to have fear that life will end abruptly or early anticipation that normal life events won't occur education relationships work opportunities trauma can cause us to believe these things even though they're not true if I believe they're true they're going to impact me inwardly life is always about what goes on inside of us not what happens outside of us if, if the Spirit of God has, a, has His way inside of us and we are healthy by His presence and activity inside of us, we can deal with whatever happens outside of us. But we could have every wonderful circumstance outside of us, but if inwardly we are not in harmony with God, with righteousness, with truth, with love, with goodness, we will be incapable of being happy, satisfied, fulfilled, have meaning or any of those things. All right, now I'm going to put a long list up here. Now, I know it's going to be way too much to take in, but, but try as you look at this list that I'm going to go through very, very fast, ask yourself, do any of these remind me of myself? Do, is it possible that any of these might be a part of my life? Here we go. These are reactions, typical reactions to trauma. First one is exhaustion. Second one, confusion. As a result of trauma, some people just always feel a little... A little uncertain, a little confused. Sadness, anxiety, agitation, numbness, disassociation, irritability, fear, panic attacks, anger, obsessions or compulsions, shock and disbelief, emotional numbing, detachment, depression, shame, and guilt. Now, now all these are typical reactions to trauma. Now, here's why I put that up there. We all have trauma. There's not a one of us. I'm going to show you as this message goes on. There is not one of us in this room that is not a victim to some degree of trauma. In fact, let me go further. There's never been a human being born into this world since Adam and Eve broke trust with our Creator that doesn't experience trauma. You'll see that as this message goes on. But, but the problem is, is that I don't always recognize, we can't always see the trauma in ourselves therefore we can't process the trauma a loving God brings us here today because not only does he want what's best and know what's best but he wants to bring healing and restoration to our souls to our lives he loves us 
and he wants to get close enough to us so that he can start to really work healing in, inside of us. We, we, we use the word in church circles a lot, salvation. And we emphasize, man, it's so important. You get saved. Got to get saved. Got to make sure your salvation's okay, you know. And usually, the only thing a church folk mean when they say that is like, okay, you got to make sure that your sins are forgiven and you're going to heaven. And that's true enough. But the word salvation, the original word, it means so much more than that. It, it means literally healing. It means wholeness. It, it, it's kind of the, the word shalom. It's, it's having all the pieces in your life harmonized. So God wants to give us salvation, but salvation, it goes way beyond just our elevator going up and going to heaven at the end of life, as important as that is. It means right now in this life, our loving God sees our pain, sees our struggles, sees our fears, and they matter to him, and he wants to heal our trauma but to heal our trauma he has to bring his light on our lives and that sometimes can be uncomfortable for us and hard for us to stand still long enough in his light so that he can do the healing work he wants to do anyway this is just to kind of help us wonder if maybe we might have some symptoms reactions of trauma all right we're going to deal with this subject unprocessed trauma because as I said, we all have trauma, and I'm going to go further. We all have degrees, at least, of unprocessed trauma. So we're going to look at a portion of Scripture where we see a man trying to enter into, trying to move toward processing his trauma. It's unprocessed, but at least he's moving in the right direction toward God so that it can be processed. And I'm going to just say this. The only way that you and I can thoroughly heal the, the trauma, the damage that's done inside of us is, is with the creative hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. It can't, we were made by Christ and for him and there's, there's trauma that only he can help us repair. Other people can help some ways, you know, oh, psychologists can help some ways, but they can't get deep inside. That's God's domain. That's, that's the only place that, um, that it, are kind of all out of bounds for, for human touch, so to speak. So let's listen to an individual. Now, I'm going to give you a little background. This psalm is written by David. David was the greatest king of Israel. He ruled and reigned in Israel for 40 years. He's writing about an event that took place in his life about 20 years after he had been king. So he'd been king for 20 years. He had 20 years to go after this. But he had an event that occurred, and it was bad. He deliberately threw himself into a very, very evil uh, occurrence. And so he's talking in this psalm about what was resulting, what he was feeling, what he was coping with as a result of entering into this sin. Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, sometime you can read them on your own, they also talk about this era in David's life where he threw himself into this very evil deed. Now you've got to know something about David. David was a super godly, righteous, lovely human being. God himself says... He's a man after my own heart. When David was just a young boy, he already loved the Lord. He would sing songs. We, we have a lot of them in the Psalms recorded. He worshiped the Lord. He's the, the hero that faced off with Goliath when nobody else would. He, he was the best king that Israel ever had. But about 20 years into his reign, he was probably about 50 years old, uh, he commits adultery with a woman. And then she becomes pregnant, and after she becomes pregnant, to cover up what he did, he sets her husband up to be killed in war, and he is murdered. 
so you have adultery and murder on David's hands Psalm 38 Psalm 32 Psalm 51 they all record what was going on inside of David after committing these horrific sins I want to say something to you um, a couple of things before we go into this text listen very carefully to the way he talks directly to the Lord he says Lord he, he says you he says yours very intense conversation with God listen to the way he talks about himself me I my okay L listen to the intense personal exchange that happens between him and God that's kind of a lesson in and of itself that that's normative that's the way God intended us to live in an intensely personal relationship with God where we can communicate with him freely just like we communicate with someone else let's get into the text here we go Lord do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath your arrows have pierced me and your hand has come down on me my guilt notice how he personalized it my guilt has overwhelmed me he uses very intense language here he's trying to find a way to put into words what he's feeling inside and, and you can sense he's struggling he can't quite find the words the, the, the grip of pain that he has he can't quite find the words for he says my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear I'm bowed down and brought very low all day I go about mourning so he's in a very depressed sad state he goes on I'm feeble and, and utterly crushed I groan in anguish of heart all my longings lie open before you here again personal with the Lord Lord my sighing is not hidden from you I'm just curious you ever talk to somebody that's, that's really undergoing a tough time in their life and they're talking to you and they're not even aware that every three or four words or so they kind of go <sighs> they're, they're just kind of sighing you ever had that happen you ever talk to somebody like that maybe it's been you it's been me at times when you're really feeling that internal squeeze our bodies can't help but to express it sometimes in sighing he says Lord my sighing is not hidden from you Lord I wait for you now notice even though he's going to admit his guilt his shame his sin he, he knows God's still with him he knows God's still for him he knows God's merciful he's waiting though he knows that he needs God to do something inside of him that nobody else nobody else no human can do he says I wait I wait for you you will answer Lord my God for I am about to fall and my pain is ever with me I what's the word confess my iniquity and that's kind of an unusual word we don't use it a lot today it just essentially means wickedness my you know uncleanness and motives I, I'm you know someone that can do the wrong things for the wrong reasons and try to cover it up and so forth he says I confess my iniquity I am troubled by my what does he say sin and we're going to talk about sin in a bit but I hope that we can talk about it in a very different way than, than what it's typically looked at in secular society as well as in church society he says I am troubled by my sin it's bothering me it's it's got me groaning in anguish all day long I'm, I'm on the edge of depression he's saying so he says come quickly to help me my Lord and my Savior notice he he's trusting in God's saving desire that God wants to rescue us God wants to save us even when we don't deserve it even when we have gotten ourselves in trouble even when we have done damage to other people He's, he knows the heart of God that God is a forgiving and a merciful and a saving and a rescuing God so 
when you look at this the first thing that I'd like you to consider is this this is the inner picture of not an unhealthy soul not somebody far from God not a bad man this is a picture of an extraordinarily good man good to the point that God says he's a man after my own heart this is a a really godly spiritual man this is a man that is spiritually healthy but he has sinned he has plunged into sin and he knows it's inexcusable but it's because he is spiritually healthy get this it's because he's spiritually healthy that he's feeling these things and he's feeling them with such intensity you know what's worse to be able to plunge into what God says is not his will not his way not backed and supported by his word not good for us what he calls sin and to to not feel anything or to just think that it's inconsequential I don't know if you ever had this happen or not but I have and I learned this lesson the hard way you ever be driving down the road and all of a sudden your oil light comes on your car how many have had had that experience yeah well I was young whippersnapper um, not that young I was 22 21 something like that and light came on in my car my little Toyota Corolla I had in those days and I ignored it how many of you mechanical minds know what happened (laughs) all of a sudden I heard it sounded like somebody was trapped inside my motor with a hammer trying to beat their way out kid you not everything just kind of melted together so this is the sole dashboard lights of a healthy man because he was spiritually healthy the dashboard lights were were blinking red for him and he was feeling this pain it's better to feel the pain because that means we're spiritually healthy and alive than to be able to sin and feel nothing and there are people that can do that that can sin and feel nothing and of course that's an individual that's headed for a colossal a colossal damage ahead so let's get into this a little bit more let's try to understand what do I mean by unprocessed trauma if I could just go past that to introduce this subject of unprocessed trauma I want to go back 36 years to the day 36 years to the day in Guinea, Brazil September 24th 1987 this little girl uh, went through a, a most unusual experience and I've got to kind of tell the background of it um, there was a a medical facility that was being deconstructed de- demolished and they had guards there but there was a day when two guys snuck in and they started dismantling the equipment because they wanted to sell it for scrap so they took all they could to sell it for scrap and one guy took it to a scrap dealer and then that scrap dealer passed some of it on to yet another and so this one man he found this one piece that was fascinating because it, it was carryable and, and it was glowing. It had a blue glow inside of it. So he brought it home to his house. And then he took a screwdriver and he broke through the little kind of black plastic window and out came this powder, this, this blue powder. And when it got on the floor, it, it glowed. And he just thought it was fascinating. And so he, he showed it to his little girl and his little girl was just thrilled she was mesmerized and she, she took the blue powder and she started putting it all over her arms and all over her chest and, and her head and she was dancing around glowing and then days later she died as did her mother because what it was it was radioactive material in this box that this father had brought home now the father also came very near death but he didn't die now the point I'm trying to make is this is that there are some things there are some experiences sin there are certain things that are so toxic intrinsically damaging that it doesn't matter if we enjoy them initially like she did it doesn't matter if we're ignorant about them as she was 
they still damage us they still traumatize us they traumatize us when we recognize the trauma and they traumatize us when we don't even recognize the trauma in her case she couldn't help it the child lost her life unnecessarily but the spirit of God is here today wanting some of us to to not incur further damage because he wants to make us aware of our trauma but to do that he's going to kind of have to take us to one of those undone moments where we're not going to feel that comfortable perhaps so let's look at a couple verses that we're probably familiar with but in a slightly different light Romans 3 23 we've probably all heard this probably all said it at times for all have what does it say sinned I've sinned you've sinned it says in Romans 3 10 there's none righteous not one all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God now that's the part that we don't really quite usually understand sufficiently what does it mean fall short of the glory of God we, we, we kind of tend to look at the verse and say, okay, man, nobody's perfect, so there you go. So I need forgiveness, you need forgiveness, everybody needs forgiveness. So what's the big deal? Why, why get all worked up about it? It's saying, though, that I was meant, you were meant, we were meant to, to wear, to carry the glory of God. In other words, my character was meant to be like that of Jesus Christ, our creator. Your character was meant to be like Jesus Christ. God doesn't ask us to do things that he himself doesn't do. He wants us to learn to live the way he lives and to love the way he loves. And the reason is it's the only way life can work in the universe where you have free moral beings, beings that can think and feel and act and have free will and so forth. There, there can never be harmony. There can never be peace unless we all live the way God lives, love the way God loves. And so this is a serious thing. It's saying I'm not what I was supposed to be. You're not what you were supposed to be but we still can be because if we'll be humble with God and seek him he, he's not done with us he wants to not only forgive us he not, wants not only to bring us into his eternal family but he wants to start to work in us to heal and help us process the trauma that may be crippling us in ways that we may not even be aware of look at what the result is of the trauma that sin always brings ruin and misery mark their ways and the way of peace which was supposed to be a normative condition for humans in a state of ease and a state of peace it says they do not know psalm 36 adds to this it says for, to the lord it says for with you is the fountain of life and in your light we see light it was when isaiah was in the light of god that he became aware of the deficiencies in himself when we get close enough to god his light will make us aware of his goodness it, it'll it'll blow our, our minds with how merciful and patient and good he is but we'll also start to see things about ourselves that we may not be comfortable with at all how many of you have ever seen those programs where uh, they'll, they'll take a black light and like go into a hotel room a hotel room looks pristine and then they take that black light in there and you're like Gee, you don't want to you don't want to touch anything once the black light shows the things that are invisible except with the black light so God's light will show us things. If I, if I compare, if we compare ourselves to other people, we can usually feel pretty good. I can always find somebody a little bit worse than me. Most of us can, you know. But that's not the light. I'm supposed to be comparing myself to the person that I can be, that God created me to be. And that's a big gulf between who I am and who God created me to be. So in God's light, though, we, we see light. The thing you have to understand about your soul, my soul, your spirit, my spirit, our inner being, is that it's a very complex 
thing. You are a very, very complex person. Usually we say that to people that we're like, you know, kind of distancing ourselves from. You're a little complicated, you know. But the truth is, we're all very, very complicated. And because we're complicated and made in the image of God, our souls are very delicate and they're injured very easily. You could take a hammer to an iron ball. You, you can just bang the iron ball with the hammer. Iron ball is impervious to it. It's no big deal. But if you take that same hammer to your iPhone, how many of you know you don't want to do that? You don't want to pay that price, right? Or if you take that hammer and hit me on the head, I don't want that because your iPhone and even my hard head is made far more delicately and far more complex. The more complex, the more delicate, the more easily injured. Sin injures, sin traumatizes every sin, the sin that we immediately recognize the results and the sin that we have no idea of what the results are. Let me take you further in the book of Psalms 119. It says 130. It says, the unfolding of your words, meaning God's words, it gives light. So this light of God that we need on our life as normative to see ourselves in God's light, we will only have as much of God's light as we have as much of God's word. If I'm not entering into God's word and lettering, letting God's word enter into me, I'm going to stumble around in darkness. I'm not going to have clarity at all. Your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So we, we need this light of God. And when we get into this light, we will see that sin is not just something that's kind of a churchy thing. And it's not just something that, oh, those repressed churchy people, they just kind of make up rules or God just makes up rules to restrict us and to steal the fun out of our life. It, it's a loving God saying, this is the way I designed you. And if you do the things that I call sin, they will damage you intrinsically. They are destructive. And they'll do their work secretly and inside until the trauma gets elevated to the point that you can't mistake it anymore. anymore. Let, let, me, let me summarize this a little bit for you. Because we're created to wear the image of our Creator Christ, all that God calls sin traumatizes our soul. All. Everything that God calls sin brings trauma to our souls our souls are very delicate very fine now they're also very resilient God can forgive us and restore us and remake us back to the image of our creator but nevertheless all sin traumatizes our souls sin is spiritual radiation for our souls just like that little girl it didn't matter that she thought you know what she was playing with was fun it didn't matter that she didn't know what it was that she didn't know that it was harmful so it is with sin when we recognize it or don't recognize it when we think we're enjoying it or not enjoying it it's still doing its damage it may not show itself right away but it is when God tries to urge us to flee from sin it's simply because he loves us knows what's best wants what's best and let me add this whether sinning or being sinned against the damage occurs, and so does the trauma. It's, it's just a question of when or how it will show itself. So, okay, so we've kind of looked at um, the trauma that sin causes. Let, let's get on the other side. The series is called Undone. Let, let's look at undoing the traumatic damage that sin does to us, processing uh, the, the trauma in our lives. Psalm 62, first step, it says, Trust in Him meaning the Lord, at all times, you people, put your, uh, pour, excuse me, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. 
Now, David in this psalm, he is doing this. He is pouring out his heart to God. He is owning his sin, owning his guilt. He's not making any excuses. He's not blame shifting. He's not rationalizing. He's not minimizing. He's he's acknowledging his sin. He's acknowledging the pain and the discord that it's bringing him himself, but he's running toward God, not away from God. And this is a hard thing to do. When we as humans feel uncomfortable when we feel guilty when we feel that we've done something wrong we are wrong in our hearts and minds or something we're pursuing usually the last thing we want to do is get close to God we want to move away from God because we feel so uncomfortable in his presence but yet the truth is we we need when we are at our rock bottom worst as David was that's when we need to run toward God he is merciful he is unshockable his love is unstoppable but I've got to be willing to do the uncomfortable thing and I've got to move toward God when I am least comfortable in doing that run toward him and I need to pour out my heart there, there, there's a huge difference in experience in you reading this verse and you and I actually doing this I asked this in the first service I'm going to ask it again um, how many of you in here think you know what it means to pour out your heart to God that you think you've done that at times can I just see your hands okay that's good it was a lot of people in the first service too I mean it literally means we do what David was doing in the psalm I'm talking directly to God I'm telling him what I've done I'm telling him what my motives were I'm telling him how I feel I'm asking him for things I want I am telling him you know who I am at this stage and how much I need him I'm just telling him what's going on inside of me it's not as though he doesn't know it but there's something that happens when I communicate directly to God it's it's a it's a questionable thing when we will run to other people when we have a problem before we go to God I'm not saying don't run to other people but I'm saying what if we got in the habit of pouring out our hearts to God we would discover some things sometimes when you get in this process of pouring out your heart to God he starts to change your perspective on things he starts to change your feelings about things he starts to give you ideas about things he's starting his healing process you're having a real spiritual experience that can only be had when we get in this habit of pouring out our hearts to God let me add to this when David poured out his heart to God he wrote it down that's why we have it today in the Psalms he wrote down what if when we poured out our hearts to God and some of us know the meaning of this we've done this we write it down we write down our words we write down our feelings so that we can read them back sometime let me go a step further David not only poured out his heart verbally to God he he wrote it out but then he also shared his experience with all of us to this day with millions of people he has shared his experience if God brings me through something if he helps me process this trauma and he brings me to a place of health again and restoration man I need to share that with someone else that might be going through it that's all part of God's healing process so we pour out our hearts to him now we've got to be able to do this with confidence Acts 13 says this it says that therefore my friends I want you to know that through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you notice what he says I want you to what is the word no I want you to know I want you to know I want you to know I need to know you need to know we need to know we we need to know at the depths of our being 
that our sins are forgiven if we put our trust in Jesus and are his followers. We need to know that we can go to God when we have failed like David did and know that he is a forgiving God, that there is still forgiveness for us. We need to be confident of that, that once we've trusted in Christ and become his follower, God's never going to cast us off. He says that in his word. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He is unshockable. He knows what he was getting when he got me. I've been a very hard child for God to rear. I, I, I know that. I'm, I'm ashamed of that in a lot of ways but I have not been an easy kid for God to raise but he knew that before he took me under his wing and into his family you can't shock God I can't shock God he's always forgiving and merciful now now there's possibility I said it's in the first service so I'm probably insult somebody here you might be hearing what I just said and thinking yeah that's what I kind of thought sin is not that big of a deal because Christ has you know died for us and we're guaranteed forgiveness so what what's the big deal everybody sins anyway nobody's perfect so why should I be bothered about it if if that thought has went through your mind that you kind of say well this is a sin-free card that has been given to you you are a fool because it means you haven't heard anything else that I've said this morning sin is spiritual radiation to our souls you can't handle it we can't participate in it without getting burned impossible the trauma will occur whether we know it or don't know it so if you heard God the assurance of God's forgiveness as a minimization of the destructiveness of sin you're a fool and I hope that I've provoked you by calling you a fool that you will pay more attention to God's effort to try to rescue us from that which destroys us and hurts others as well but we need to know we need to know that there's forgiveness David knew David knew even in that psalm that there was forgiveness he, he says come and save me he knew that God was a forgiving God let me go on we need to know this too Romans 8 1 it says there is now no condemnation no condemnation God will never condemn those that are now who live in union with Christ Jesus once I put my trust in Christ I am united to him for time and eternity as long as my trust is there and so God says that once I put my trust in Christ and become his follower there's no condemnation we don't have to live with fear we belong to the family of God he'll correct us as his children he'll he'll mold and shape us but he will not cast us out we need to know that particularly when God brings his light on our life in some area where we need correction and redirection let's go on first John 1 9 says this it says if and that if is big if we do what confess our sins and confession of sin it means this is what I did and if you want to take it deeper and really experience God's deeper work in your life you then say and this is why I did it so God will help us to examine our motives our motives are not always apparent to us but if you really want to experience God's deeper working confess to him what it is we did but then seek his light again to confess why we did it and that's very very uncomfortable but it, it brings a much deeper level of what the rest of this verse promises of cleansing if we confess our sins he's faithful and just and will positively absolutely forgive us our sins but he doesn't stop there and purify us from all unrighteousness God, God wants to restore the image of Christ in us and he'll do that as long as we run toward him instead of away from him and we've got to own our sin we've got to own our guilt we've got to own our bad motives for God to do his cleansing healing restoring work now again it's, it's the last thing we feel like doing 
How many of you ever heard an old saying, and I thought it was a wives' tale, but it turns out it's true. How many of you ever heard that if you, if you bury a rubber tire beneath the dirt, that thing will work its way up to the surface? How many have ever heard that before? Just, just curious. Uh, only, only B. B's the only one in the whole room. There. No, nobody else has heard that, that if you bury a rubber tire, go try it, try it, see if it works. If you, look, if you look at it and research it a little, it's true. Even people that do the business of, you know, burying trash and what have you, um, they know that rubber will work its way up to the surface. So will unconfessed sin in my life, in your life. Sooner or later, it will work its way up to the surface of our consciousness, and it will bring trauma out, and we'll, we'll have these patterns of trauma. We don't even know why we're doing what we're doing, but we're trying to distract ourselves from ourselves in order not to feel the pain that David was feeling and acknowledging and letting happen. A uh, criti critical part of this thing. So we run toward God. We own our sin. We don't make any excuses for ourselves. We don't legitimize it. We don't minimize it. We, we own it, and we own its seriousness. And then there's the last part. We've got to learn. We've got to learn. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desire if we play around with sinful desires because they wage war against what our souls again it's going back to this thing that there's an intrinsic destructive component to sin when God calls something sin he's trying to protect us and it will do the harm and bring the trauma if we get close to it and so it wages war against us so David in fact did learn the next 20 years of his life he walks faithfully with God. God wants us to learn from our stumblings, from our faults, from our failures, from our pain, from our trauma. But he wants us to learn and take on a new pathway. Uh, that's a critical component to this thing too. Now I'm going to summarize some thoughts and we'll close out. When we live in union with our creator Christ, in accord with his design, our souls are at ease. We read earlier Romans 3, 23 says, you know, or Romans 3, the verses after it says that there's no peace when we're not living in accord with God's will, God's word, the way he designed us. But when we are, our souls are at ease. When we live contrary to our creator's design our so <coughs> for our lives, our souls experience disease. We put the word together, disease. We are, we are sick inside. We are diseased. We are traumatized when we live contrary to God's will which is revealed in his word he wants to bring healing to us salvation is healing it's restoration it's, it's wholeness it's clarity and then this finally when our souls are diseased only our creator's healing processes can restore true lasting health I emphasized that earlier as important as it is to have good people in our lives that we can trust what they say they know God they, they know us they love God they love us they've got some wisdom and we shouldn't distance ourselves when we're struggling from them for sure but, but there's a personal component between ourselves and God that only God can do only he can reach into the deep recesses of our spirit and soul and bring the, the lasting healing the lasting health that we need particularly when we're feeling the trauma that sin has brought into our life. When closing, I said earlier, every one of us in here has trauma that is unprocessed. 
because we've all experienced sin and we're all in a struggle even we that have put our trust in Christ and we're his followers we're, we're in a struggle with sin because we're not perfect yet we're not completely whole we're not transformed yet to the full image of Christ God wants to help us continue to move that way lean in that direction but there's a process and so we're going to need to process trauma in the, the intimate fellowship with God all through our lives and so if you're here today and it's triggered in you that you realize man I I know there is now there's trauma in my life and and I've got this this kind of process that I'm trying to work through my trauma with but it's it's really not working it's it's not resolving what I'm feeling inside well then a loving God has, has brought you close enough to himself today that that you can start to get on a path of healing and restoration if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, man, that's the wisest decision you could ever make in a world where everybody's following somebody. Usually we're following ourselves and trusting in ourselves supremely. Why not put your trust in the creator of the universe and the one that loves you enough to sacrifice himself on the cross to prove his trustworthiness and his love for you? That's what it means to be a Christian, to make a decision to put your trust in Christ and become his follower and God promises that for all who do that there is absolute forgiveness of all of our sins as well as the free gift of everlasting life so if you're here today and you've never put your trust in Christ and become his follower man I hope before you leave here today you'll make that wise decision for the rest of us let's let's let the Spirit of God bring to our the front of our minds any trauma that we perhaps have been trying to ignore no matter how undone it may initially make us feel let's pray Father, we thank you for your, your faithfulness to seek our healing, to seek our good, uh, to bring to our mind those things that are comfortable and those things that are uncomfortable so that you can bring deep, lasting restoration of your image into our hearts, our minds, and our souls. May your work be uh, welcomed into all of our hearts today because we all need to process trauma with you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.